And if their expectation is something different from what they've built already, I know that I'm first going to have to take them down the path of building the infrastructure to support that expectation. Some people are not prepared to invest time in building the infrastructure needed to support meeting their objectives and goals. And the infrastructure is the most important piece in my view because if it's not stable enough or strong enough to withstand the marketing activities that you want to do, then all of the time and energy you spend on marketing your idea is not going to land where you want it to land. Starting my working life as a retail worker, I always associated customer service with what you do when there's a problem. A customer needs to make a return. They have a question about this week's sale. They need to report a problem with the bathroom. And despite years and years of training on customer service, no one ever said to me, customer service starts before the customer even walks in the door. Customer service is having the right product on display. It's having the carpet freshly vacuumed. It's having the music at the right level playing the right songs. Do customer service right, right from the beginning, and you dramatically reduce the number of problems you encounter during the day. I didn't learn that lesson until I started my own business, and really many years after. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that transcends the hype to bring you candid conversations about how small businesses really work. For our final episode on our series on designing exceptional customer experiences, I spoke with Linda Lopek, the founder of Smart Start. Linda knows that customer service starts long before the first purchase is ever made. She's designed her entire client onboarding system to set clear expectations, ensure fit, and make new clients feel at ease. Instead of crossing her fingers and hoping she doesn't run into customer service problems, Linda has crafted a process that elevates her client experience. I talked with Linda about the lengthy application process she uses, why she interviews every prospect before they can work with her, and how she brings on a new client step-by-step. Pay close attention to all the opportunities Linda has to set expectations throughout the process and reduce the friction of doing the work. Now, let's find out what works for Linda Lopek. Linda Lopek, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. All right. So um, this conversation is part of our conversation around customer and client experience. And uh, one of your clients recommended to me that I reach out to you and find out uh, how you make your clients feel so well taken care of, which I think is a huge compliment to the way you run your business, the way you take care of your clients, the way you work with them. Um, So I'd like to just really dive into that today. But before we do that, I was hoping you could set the stage for us by telling us about a time when you yourself had an amazing customer or client experience and what you learned from that. The most amazing experience I've ever had took place in Los Angeles at a restaurant called Spago. It's owned by Wolfgang Puck. And I used to go to LA each year, two or three times a year, two or three times a year to work. And while I was there, I would often go to his restaurant for dinner. Now, the important thing about Spago is it's a place frequented by celebrities and high profile LA types. 
and I am just an ordinary person. <laughs> Each time I was in the restaurant, he would pop by the table to say hello, to see if we were enjoying the meal and just, you know, generally make conversation with us, which made you feel very special knowing that you're just an ordinary person and can't do anything for this man whatsoever. But what really happened to cement it in my mind was I missed going for a couple of years. And in the third year after that, I went to the restaurant for dinner. He came by the table. He addressed me by name and he said, Linda, you haven't been here for a couple of years. Was it the food? <laughs> and I could not believe that, A, he would even notice that I had missed a couple of years, or B, that he would remember my name and what I like to eat, because there was something special that he used to make that was no longer on the menu, and he sent it over to me to enjoy that night. And when I had this experience, I thought, this is a man who understands the importance of relationships to one's success and making a person feel special. And I certainly felt very special that night, even knowing that I'm not special. <laughs> but he made me feel that way. And uh, then I decided that I would look for additional ways that I could make my clients feel special too. Oh, well, that is an incredible story. And I would think that that would have a pretty big influence on how you would approach your own client experience or the, the experience of your own clients. Um, so let's let's just kind of rip the bandaid off and get into that. Can you walk us through what your client onboarding experience is like? What we do with our clients is first we put them through a very rigorous application process. I originally built Smart Start to help entrepreneurs, of course, but I only wanted to work with certain type of people. And the type of people that we are interested in having as clients are the kind that would do a very good job on this front-end application piece. A person who is looking to half-ass the work and expect whole-ass results mm -hmm. is not going to put up with my application process. So they self-select right out of the lineup. The person who comes through the application process then has to go through an interview with me. And that gives me an opportunity to assess whether they will do well in the program or not. And it also gives them an equal opportunity to see if they like the way I think, if they like the way they feel when they're speaking to me, because I'm sure, as you know, coaching is a very intimate and personal experience. Yeah. And you can tell within an hour or so of chatting with someone if they make you feel good about yourself or insecure in yourself, if you feel like you can trust them to give you good advice, and, and all these things that make for a very positive interaction in this very most intimate of relationships. So uh, that's the first part. And then because they have to work so hard to even be invited into Smart Start, we 
use um, a means of validating the effort that they went through on the front end to make them feel good about that. So if they're going to be coming into Smart Start, the first thing that happens in their onboarding experience is they get an official confirmation of having successfully made it through this first couple of hurdles. Mm. And that distinguishes them from all others who want to come into the program because as I said, we're looking only for a certain type of person, and uh, that is a very small percentage of the entrepreneurs who are out there. What happens to a lot of people, of course, is they do not understand that building a business is a very serious endeavor, and it requires a lot of deep thinking and work. Not all of the work is sexy, exciting, and thrilling to be engaged in but it has to be done if you want to survive for the long term so um, it makes them feel good i think to receive the official letter confirming the the terms of their engagement with us and then it also tells them exactly what's going to happen next because that's the next big fear that a client coming into a coaching program has is they might have a, a little bit of nervousness about whether or not they've chosen the right program mm -hmm. to invest mm -hmm. in, and we want them to feel comfortable with that. One of the ways you can allay those fears is to say, this is exactly what's going to happen over the next 90 days, and this is what you can expect, and this is how we will support you through that period and that takes away any anxiety that they might have coming into the first session. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about the application um, because so many people approach that differently and it sounds like you have a very intentional and strategic way of actually setting up that uh, application. So um, I'd love for you to tell us some of the questions or the prompts on that application that we might not expect uh, to see? Something that it might be unusual or something that's unique to you? Okay, well, we've divided up the application into a number of sections. And I tell everyone before and a few times throughout the application process that there are no wrong answers to the questions. Mm. But I need their answers to understand where they are coming from at this time. Uh, and I need to understand that from an emotional level because you can only succeed in a program if you're emotionally ready to take on the new ideas, to feel comfortable exploring new ways of thinking and approaching your business. And I also need to know from a practical standpoint where you are right now and where it is you want to go. But more than that, I want to know why that is important to you. Every person has different reasons for wanting to have their business and every person starting a business has unique personality traits, skills and expertise and experience that they're bringing to the table. I know that to succeed in their business, they must have a certain level of mastery of 12 different areas that every business that's successful must address. 
but how they go through those 12 areas is going to be unique to that person. And that's why we say there are there is no one size fits all solutions in Smart Start. Everything is bespoke. So for that to be an excellent delivery process, I need to have a very clear understanding of where the person is coming from, where they want to go and why they want to do it in the first place. That makes a ton of sense. How long does it take someone on average um, to fill out the application? Some people spend a good two, three hours on it Mm. only because some of the questions they Uh, lend themselves to more of an essay response. Mm -hmm. Many of the questions are uh, multiple choice or radio buttons. I've put those uh, technical details in a way that's very easy to answer quickly. But to answer a question like, um, what is the most important thing you want to leave behind after you pass away in this business. A lot of people haven't thought about that. Or I'll ask them, one of the other questions is, what do you want people to be saying about you as an individual leading this business? They haven't thought about that. They have fast answers for what they want to do in terms of how many clients they want to serve or what industry they want to serve, perhaps even how much money they want to make. Although we never emphasize revenue in Smart Start because our premise is that you have unlimited potential. Mm -hmm. And once you start putting numbers against your potential, you're automatically limiting what you can achieve. Mm. I love that perspective. I also love the question of uh, asking people what they want to leave behind in terms of the business when they pass away. I mean, that's that is a question I think a lot of people avoid <laughs> answering <laughs> and leading with that in an application process sounds really rich. And I'm sure you get just a huge variety of answers with that that would tell you so much about the person filling it out. So that's fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about the interview with you. What are some of the things that you're looking, uh, some of the things that you ask in that interview or some of the things that you're looking to draw out of your potential client when you're actually talking to them face, face to face or voice to voice? The very first question I ask in their phone interview is what their perception is of how we can help them the most. Many people who are shopping for a coach or a coaching program have an idea of what they need or want from it, but they also have an expectation. And I want to make sure that their expectation is something that I can deliver on with certainty. Mm. If there's a mismatch there, it's not going to matter how great Smart Start programming is or how right the time is for that person. There's going to be a gap between what they expect in from what we can do for them and what they actually experience. And I don't want that gap to exist. 
Awesome. Okay, let's dig into this expectation idea a little bit more because that's what I'm hearing, kind of setting expectations, managing expectations, uh, discerning expectations seems to be a huge thread that runs through this onboarding process. Um, Why is expectation setting so important for you at this point in the process? In the application, I ask them specific questions about what types of philosophies and goals and pieces, elements or components of the business they already have in place. And if their expectation is something different from what they've built already, I know that I'm first going to have to take them down the path of building the infrastructure to support that expectation. Mm. Some people are not prepared to invest time in building the infrastructure needed to support meeting their objectives and goals. And the infrastructure is the most important piece, in my view, because if it's not stable enough or strong enough to withstand the marketing activities that you want to do, then all of the time and energy you spend on marketing your idea is not going to land where you want it to land. So we have that conversation first, and that helps me understand how I need to lead them through the process in a way that's going to deliver on that expectation. And it is going to be different for each person, not only because they have unique personalities and backgrounds, but also because they have varying levels of business expertise and they may have an expectation of achieving a particular goal and I can tell from their application they don't have the professional skills they will need to make that happen in a fast time frame. So we have to have a realistic conversation about where the gaps exist between their goal and realistically what they're bringing to the table and have achieved already. And I can tell from that conversation if they are open to accepting that there's some groundwork that needs to be in place first before that can happen. You'll find out how Linda's career in traditional management settings helped her to design the business systems and philosophy she has today. But first, a word from our WhatWorks partners. WhatWorks is brought to you by Mighty Networks. All this month, we've been talking about customer experience here on WhatWorks. So let's take a minute and look at the typical customer experience of someone spending $500, $1,000, $2,000 or more on an online course. First, your customer decides to buy your course in a barrage of sales emails. Then they wait by their inbox for logging credentials for your course provider. They wait again for an invite from your admin to the private Facebook group you have set up for the course. Then they wait again for details on your group calls. Throughout the program, they jump between their inbox, your course platform, your Facebook group, and your group calls. And understandably, they're often confused and behind. And your team is regularly fielding questions about what is where and who can help. Let's imagine something different. What if your customer bought your course and was immediately directed to not only your course platform, but a community of people waiting to connect with them? 
What if your customer got a personal welcome message from you right inside the same platform? What if your customer could track their progress, access all of your upcoming events, and search throughout the site in just a few clicks? That would be a pretty dreamy scenario for your online course. And that dreamy scenario, well, that's Mighty Networks. When you set up a Mighty Network for your business, you can host your courses, paid or free, online community, and sales processing all at the same spot. Your students get access to you and each other. All of their learning activities, events, and conversation is at their fingertips. They can sit back, relax, and enjoy learning something new. And you can sit back, relax, and enjoy knowing your customers are taken care of. Sound like the experience you want to create for your customers? It's time to start your Mighty Network. Go to MightyNetworks.com to start your free trial. That's MightyNetworks.com. What Works is thrilled to announce the What Works Forum. I want to figure out what works for me and my business. That's what I've heard over and over again throughout the last 11 years. Sure, it's easy to get caught up in sexy Facebook ads, trendy business models, or too-good-to-be-true social media hacks. But at the end of the day, you just want to find out what works for you and your business. That's what What Works is all about. It's why you listen. And it's why we've developed the What Works Forum. The vast majority of business courses, support, and coaches out there are trying to tell you to do business their way. Run these Facebook ads, build this sales funnel, turn your service into a product. No, no, turn your product into a service. And while learning more about how these tools and techniques work can help you find what works for you, they don't offer much support once you're on the path and making things happen. The What Works Forum is different. Our goal is to give you the support you need, no matter what tools or techniques you're using to run your business. We help you stay accountable to yourself and your plans. We help you challenge assumptions and rethink biases. We help you seize opportunities and think bigger. The What Works Forum is a 12-month small group experience specifically designed to help you build on what works for you. Here's what you get when you join us. You get two 90-minute mastermind sessions every month, January through December 2020. You get our private collaboration group within the What Works Network so you can get support 24-7. You get four quarterly all-hands planning sessions so you know you're making time to look and plan ahead. You get our monthly review activity to examine what's actually working and rework what's not. And you get two optional in-person mastermind sessions, one in Los Angeles and one in Washington, D.C. The What Works Forum is an immersive, interactive, and collaborative support experience. We want to help you reach your goals doing what works for you. To learn more about the What Works Forum, go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum. That's explorewhatworks.com slash forum. I, I, I'm curious if this expectation setting is something that has come out of a failure or a mistake or a disaster at some point in the history of your business, or maybe even before your business existed, where you realized, oh man, expectation setting is really important uh, to make sure that I'm doing my job as well as I can and to make sure that my clients are 
you know, feeling taken care of and feeling like uh, they're getting what they're paying for. Was there a particular experience that you had that made you understand the importance of expectation setting? Not so much in the execution of my own business and the Smart Start programming in particular, but prior to doing this, I had a traditional management career Mm -hmm. in the finance and banking industry. And when I was in my early days of being a manager leading a team, that would have been in the 70s, I made the big mistake of assuming that the people on my team had the same level of interest and the same desire for upholding the professional standards that I held for myself, and that wasn't true. So I learned the hard way that in order to bring a person along from point A to point B, you had to approach it uh, by meeting them where they are and understanding what's important to them and what's motivating for them, what is driving them, not what's driving you and where you want to take them. And I learned that lesson the hard way myself because uh, one of the other executives on our management team had called me into his office one day. He wasn't my boss, but he recognized that if I continued on the path that I was continuing on, I would be doing some serious harm to my career. So he just told me right up front where I was missing the mark and why that was so and what I would need to do to succeed in the way that I wanted to succeed leading these people. I just never forgot that. Mm. And I left the office. He said he knew that um, it would be very hard to hear the criticisms that he laid down on me. But he did say that he was taking the time to invest in me because he knew I was a smart person and I had the right intentions in my heart and I could go a long way if I took his advice. And he, he was betting that I would take his advice and make the immediate changes in my approach with other people. And I did do that, and it did have exactly the desired result. And I did feel kind of stupid, actually, at the time, because when someone lays it all out for you like that, it makes perfect sense. But I wasn't, I guess I was too close to it Mm -hmm. in that role, and I wasn't seeing it. But uh, yeah, I noticed right away that I needed to fix this, and I needed to fix it fast. And of course, once I put those changes in place, uh, it all worked out very, very well. So when I went into my own business, I had the advantage of knowing the importance of this piece of the puzzle to helping others succeed. And because of that, we've had really, really good results with our programming. And I'm I'm very happy about that. But I think it's partly because we particularly attract the people who can do well, and we know how to support them on an individual basis. And that's why I also say that when you're coaching someone or mentoring them, the goal isn't to make them into your image. It's to allow them the freedom to create themselves. And so that's what we're doing here. Mm. 
I love that. Let's talk about what happens after a client has onboarded with you. So they've received um, the official confirmation that they've gone through and and been approved to start the program with you. They've received their terms of engagement. Um, Once they're an active client, they've gone through that first session. What are some of the things that you do, send them, have conversations with them about so that they continue to feel really taken care of and like they're on the right path uh, with you? After their official induction and orientation, we set them up with a private communication channel that is just between the two of us so that they have a place that they know is just for them. And it's set up to align with the programming that's going to unfold over the next 12 weeks. And we tell them when the information will be made available. We make sure we have tandem processes in place both through email and through this communication channel so that they're never without the tools that they need to prepare for the next session. We have work that they have to do before the session. They have work they need to do after the session. In between, they have access points where they can get assistance with anything that they're struggling with. They have um, all the information they need to know about what they can expect in terms of turnaround time for response. I've tried to anticipate every possible question they might have to make sure that the relationship unfolds smoothly. And then I'm very careful to make sure that I uphold my end of the bargain as well, because by role modeling that, they tend to participate in the same way Mm -hmm. uh, to meet my expectations. And I've never had any difficulties there with any of the clients in the program. Um, So there's no surprises when they come to the session. They're never left feeling like they're in a big struggle and they're not making progress. The programming is designed so that they have those little dopamine hits the positive dopamine hits all along the way. Obviously, many people who come into a program like this have a lot at stake. And sometimes they're very nervous. Maybe they're not feeling 100% sure of their own abilities and skills. So you need to help them see that even though they may not have all the answers immediately, Immediately, they are making progress in terms of moving forward towards their goals. And of course, I'm working from a very, very big picture of what they need to do. If I told them everything all at once, their brains would explode. So we, t- we deal with the information in a structured way that builds on each thing that they need to master. And I've designed the program so that they are making forward progress in their business from the very first session. This is not a a program where you have to wait until you've done all of the elements to actually start doing something. And the fact that they are taking away from each session something positive that they can look at with pride and feel good about themselves helps them take on some of the more abstract pieces that come later in the process. 
Yeah. Uh, I want to talk more about this dopamine hits thing, because I think this is really important, Um, especially like you said. I mean, there's this is such a huge journey people are going on. They don't Mm -hmm. have all of the answers. You're obviously Mm -hmm. you're trying to kind of coach them and lead them to find those answers for themselves over time. But that can be that's a really rigorous process and it can be a really draining process. And I love the idea of building in those moments throughout the time you spe- you're spending with a client so that they feel like, oh, I accomplished something. Oh, I got a little bit further and I can recognize that. Can you give us an example of what one of those dopamine hits that you've built into the programming looks like? Um, well, I'd have to take a little bit of a step back there too, because one of the first things in our onboarding process that I have them do is an assessment that tells me whether they learn best visually, orally, through reading, or kinesthetically. Mm. And then I take that that information, I take their scores, and I use that to guide my own delivery of the information and present the things that they need to discuss with me in the way that makes it easiest for them to receive them. So that's a little adaptation there. Let's uh, see. One example would be we emphasize the the multimodal aspects of working on a business and how it's important to understand that a business is a holistic system mm-hmm. and to make the uh, business work for you in the way you need it to work. You need to understand your biology, your physiology, your brain chemistry, as well as the components of business building. And these are a lot of concepts that make it challenging for a person because they've never experienced a program like this before. So they're constantly being asked questions that they've never been asked to think about before. And sometimes they feel tremendous pressure to have all the answers. So we're constantly reminding them that it's not important to have a fast answer. It's important to do the deep thinking and to come up with the answer that is right for you. And then I will help you implement that in the most cost-effective, efficient way possible from a myriad of options that I would know about as an expert in the field, Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily know. And at this point, you just have to trust me that I'm going to tell you the best things for you and you are going to make a decision. But I will walk you through the thinking process. You'll look at the pros and cons. I'll help you come up with your decision framework. And when you've made your decision, I will help you choose a way to implement that. Mm. Got it. Okay. So let's take a look then at how your client onboarding and kind of your client experience overall has evolved since you first started change, uh, since you first started coaching. What's changed? What have you added in? Has there been anything that you've taken out over the years as this experience has developed? In general, the onboarding process is the same as it was 20 years ago when I first started out, but there is one big exception. Initially, I used to phone every person who joined our community and have a personal conversation with them just to get to know them 
as individuals and whatnot. But at this time, we have uh, over 100,000 community members, and we have a, a growth of six to 8,000 new people every month. So I couldn't possibly phone everybody personally <laughs> now, <laughs> but I used to do that in the beginning. And people found that really unusual because they didn't have that opportunity in the past and they did really like it. I also, in the early days, had organized the training elements much differently than they're organized now. We still follow the same 12 principles that need to be mastered, but I've added in the onboarding component of addressing those 12 in the way that's easiest for the person to learn what they need to learn and have the conversation with me in a more productive way. And that element of personalization is just a conscious choice. It's not actually more difficult or more time consuming for me to talk to them about their business in uh, any of the four different modes. Uh, but I think they do appreciate the level of personalization that we provide. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, that's been another theme that's kind of, uh, become apparent for me as you've explained how this system works is that it is a system. It's very systematized. Every step has its place. Every um, question, every component of the the puzzle sort of works together with everything else um, to make the whole system work. And at the same time, that system allows for such personalization. And I think that that's something that people often miss out on is that they think it's either I systematize something or I personalize something. And I love that you're really highlighting how systemization and personalization can work together so that people can get better results, so that you can feel more confident in the work that you're doing. How, how do you think about that relationship between systemization and personalization? What we try to do in Smart Start is help our clients understand that to move your business forward and future-proof it, you have to understand where our society is heading and what cultural shifts are on the horizon, and you need to adapt to that sooner rather than later. And one of the promises that we make to our clients is that we will help them be in that top 1% of outstanding businesses out there. Well, the difference between excellence and outstanding is, is only 2%. So um, we, we give them tools that help them understand where they need to go directionally and how they're going to get there um, using the tools that are available to them now, if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I have one last question before I, for you. Well, probably it'll turn into two, but I have one main last question for you, which is that, um, you know, I can see that all of these processes, these systems are built around really wanting to take care of your clients, making mm -hmm. sure that um, they get the results that you want for them and that they want for them. And that tells me, of course, that you care a ton about your clients. And I've noticed that you're 
approach to marketing, your approach to platform building, at least on social media, is very relationship oriented as well. You clearly not only care about your clients, but care about your network. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about how you see your client experiences and the relationships that you have with your clients um, in relationship to your marketing strategy and how you build out your network? The very first concept that we emphasize with our program with with our clients is the importance of relationships. If we look at where marketing is headed in the future as well, the cultural shift is one of moving closer to human to human oriented marketing Mm -hmm. as opposed to the more generic approaches, excuse me, that we've seen in the past. And going back to the seventies, when I had that conversation in the office with my my, um, critic, he explained to me that relationships are all you have at the end of the day. And so it's important to understand that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. So we start there. And that's why our application form focuses on your life and what you want for yourself first, and then gets into the business aspects after that. We emphasize the importance of building strong relationships with others because it's a simple fact that you're not going to succeed alone. Mm -hmm. Nobody can succeed in a vacuum. You have to have people in your corner. You have to have people who are willing to help you advance your agenda. The way you do that is by helping other people advance their agendas. And a lot of people are very skittish about this type of thing. They they have this false idea that if they were to promote the great work of others, there would be less for them. Uh, and that is simply not true. And I also think it speaks widely to your own confidence in your abilities and in your business when you can say, well, you know, so-and-so is doing some fantastic work and you need to know about their work as well as about my work. Yeah. And I, no one person can serve every need that there is. And just because someone might choose to work with a coach that's not you doesn't mean you're not a good coach. It just means that they related better to someone else or someone else build their need better than you can fill it at this time. And that's all perfectly legitimate. So uh, I've never been afraid to highlight what others are doing that I think is really wonderful. I try to pick only those people who are doing the best work because those people are role modeling for my clients, the standard I expect them to uphold and want to aspire to achieving. And also, I don't like to talk about my own work or my own achievements that much because it's not about me. It's about what you can do for yourself. And that's why I also say in my LinkedIn profile that You can read all kinds of things about my work and the things we've done with our clients, but you should not give a rat's ass about what somebody else says was their results. You should only be worried about what you're going to do, what your business is going to be for you, not what I did for my own 
own business or myself or somebody else. It's your own race that you're running. Yeah, completely agree. Linda, what are you really excited about right now? Do you have any projects in the fire? Are you, um, is there something personally that you're excited about? What are you looking forward to right now? I am considering moving some of our significant programming to mobile platform delivery Mm. because, you know, I, I have, I'll be honest, I have resisted the whole mobile thing for 10 years, 10 years. And, you know, this is based on my own bias because I don't like phones. I don't spend time on phones. I don't even own a smartphone. I am not in interested in that. I'm interested in doing great work and working with my people on a more personal level. However, I have to accept that consumption is now mostly on mobile. So any person who's only designing programming for desktop delivery is going to be shut out in a very short window of time. So to future-proof my business, I must adapt to this uh, cultural shift of mobile content consumption, and I must make sure that everything that we do translates well and seamlessly and without any friction points on a smartphone as well. Awesome. Well, I know how big an undertaking that is. So, it's a very big undertaking. Yeah. So I wish you the best with that. Um, but I I mean, it's been a, a decision that we made a couple of years ago that I, it was a big undertaking for us. And it was at the same time, it was absolutely the right decision. So I'm excited for you at the same time that I'm feeling like, oh, that feels like a lot of work, but I know it's going to be awesome for you. Linda, thank you so much for giving us a look inside your client experience and really your thought process behind how you deliver on the promises that you make, how you set the right expectations and how you really personalize your service for everyone that comes through the door. So thank you. Well, thank you for recognizing my commitment to business being personal. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Find out more about Linda Lopek at smartstartcoach.com. Next week, we're going to start to wrap up 2019 with a series on taking care of yourself as an entrepreneur. You'll hear from Tanya Dalton on the joy of missing out, Toy Smith on transitioning out of a business model that wasn't working for her, Elsie Escobar on the personal inventory she takes toward the end of every year, and Haley Thomas on how a huge personal loss led to rethinking how she does business. If you're thinking about how you can take better care of yourself as an entrepreneur in 2020, don't forget to get help. We'd love to support you in the What Works Forum with 12 months of mastermind sessions, collaboration, and planning. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum to learn more. That's explorewhatworks.com slash forum. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance by Kristen Rudbeck. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 250 more candid conversations with small business owners at explorewhatworks.com.